to the Injured Lift Podcast, your source for all sports injury topics. For the weekend warrior to the sports fantasy guru, we keep you in the action and out of the injured list. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List Podcast, Brian Scott. here at the injured list wanted to take the time to wish all of you a very merry christmas and happy holiday season we are taking the next few weeks off to relax and enjoy this holiday with those loved ones who help support us in all of our endeavors both personal and professional and we want you all to do the same it's a time of reflection as well as we look back on the year past and find ways to continually improve moving forward we want to send special thank you to all those who helped make this podcast so much more this past year than when it was the year before. With that, I want to personally thank all of my guests who have come on the show to talk about various sports injury topics and share their personal stories. Without my guests and their experiences, I would not be able to provide you my own personal and professional insight into the world of sports medicine. As a way of saying thank you, I've placed a little highlight reel of clips from my interviews from the past year. Included are interviews with Brandon Oprey of Trust Free Financial, Sean Colas of the Percantile Creamery in Concord, North Carolina, Stephen Maielli of TransitioningVeteran.com, athletic trainer Brady Course of Action On Site, Kimberly Brady, former soccer athlete at the University of California, Berkeley, successful entrepreneur and full-time business coach, and also now recent author, the Tuesday Night Delight, Dominic Orza, formerly known as the Upscale Male, former amateur wrestler and WWE expert, Abe Delgado, host of the Devil's Advocate Sports Talk Show live on Facebook, whom I am a regular guest with on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. to discuss a variety of sports topics and not just injuries. Athletic trainer David McGowan, who's also a former professional European rugby player and a cardiac arrest survivor. Jeremy Overfelt, a former Division I collegiate football coach. Chase Kraft an All-American track and cross-country champion and host of his own podcast called The Science of Sports Recovery, Bill Hobson, former Detroit Pistons beat writer and owner of Hobson Media Enterprises, Kelly Gunther, 2014 USA Olympic long track speed skater, Jordan Scop, founder of Foul Ball Safety Now, Gabby Vila, she's a certified sports nutrition expert and founder of Intense Eat Fit, and last but certainly not least, Elisa Au, the most decorated American female karate athlete of all time and three-time karate world champion. We want to extend all of our appreciation to those listed in helping us create a very unique podcast in the world of sports. We hope to continue to bring you more content in the year to come. Please visit www.theinjuredlist.com backslash projects and click on the images to hear each of the episodes in their entirety from this list. Now sit back and enjoy some of the most memorable moments from 2021 and our very special holiday edition of the Throckmorton Sign Injury of the Week. Happy Holidays.
Hey, everybody. Brian Scott, your host of the Injured List podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. Today's guest on the show is Kelly Gunther. She has been coined the comeback kid following her return to the sport of Olympic speed skating after a horrific ankle injury in 2010, which almost resulted in a loss of her foot. To know Kelly is to know the type of personality that is required to achieve such a high level of success in the face of obstacles. From being raised in a single parent household, dealing with a learning disability, to fulfilling an Olympic dream, there is not much that stands in her way as she strives to attain new personal and professional goals. In 2018, she officially retired from the sport of speed skating after missing out on the Olympic team by just one spot. Having had the chance to speak with her, there's no doubt she's on to bigger and better things in her new career. Take me through, if you will. Uh, I imagine you had emergency surgery. Um, they probably stabilized everything. Was it, how many surgeries in total did you have? Do you remember? Yes, I actually only had about two. Um, yeah, so I, when I was laying on the ice, I never cried. I think I was probably just more in shock. Probably. <laughs> uh, I knew the paramedics were coming. Like, I knew the ambulance. Yeah, everything was on its way. And I remember just like saying on the way to the hospital, like, am I gonna be able to skate again? And the paramedics were like laughing at me. They're like, I don't know if you know this or not, but your foot's hanging off your leg. I'm like, no, 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 like I'm gonna be okay. When you came back and you succeeded in making the Olympic team for, was it, it was Sochi, correct? You actually set a personal best time in your event and qualified for the Olympics on the same track where you had your accident. I did. Uh, yeah, and that was probably the biggest, you know, comeback. And that's why 2014, you know, announcers, NBC named me the comeback kid. And I just went out there and had fun with it. And the night before I skated, you know, I had said to myself, you know, whatever happens tomorrow will happen. I can, you know, at least say I can try out for the Olympics, you know, just four years prior. I was told I would never be able to ever compete to this level or even try out for the Olympics. And, you know, here I am to see all that hard work that we put in every day, twice a day for two years, basically. And then, you know, skate as fast as I could. So it was really neat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, you know, it's so special and so meaningful for me because I was never a medal contender, you know, to say the least. Yes, it would have been absolutely amazing to have medaled. I mean, absolutely, of course, I think that's every, you know, athlete's dream is to go to the Olympics, but not only go there, but, you know, to come home with the medal. But really for mine um, was the moment that I just got to go there because, yes, I was definitely on cloud nine. And my head doctor was there in the stands um, for my Olympic race. He was the head doctor of the Olympics that year. And I just can remember saying, like, if I have a gold medal moment, this is it. Because he can remember just literally four years prior of me walking into his office with my mom, with my crutches, with the boot. I mean, where he was like, I have no idea what's ahead of us. And here he is sitting at the Olympics in the stands for my race. I don't, I mean, and nobody could ever take that away, so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have the very first guest ever on my podcast. Brady Course, all the way from Washington on the West Coast. He is a certified athletic trainer, and I do have to disclose a colleague, classmate, and friend of mine from years ago. Um, Brady, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, honored to be the, the first uh, the first guest for you. Give my listeners just a little overview of your background, your credentials, where you're coming from, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into it a little bit here. My name is Brady Corso. I'm an, I'm an athletic trainer. Been athletic trainer certified for uh, the last uh, coming up on 18 years, so 2002. 
and as um, well. But maybe this kind of highlights the need for, for athletic trainers in other realms, which is something that we've been talking about for years within the profession. Um, you know, I was probably, eight years ago, I was one of the first athletic trainers that they, that they hired on. And since then, we, we've actually got uh, more athletic trainers on staff normally than we do uh, any other profession. So we do we hire PTs, PTAs, um, OTs. Um, we have found out the, that the adaptability of an athletic trainer, you know, um, the way that they're able to just kind of jump in and, you know, minimal instruction, just, hey, here's what you need to do. And then just, they just get it done um, has been, you know, by far one of the best uh, professions that we that we hire for what we do. So even even now as COVID nineteen screeners, some of our facilities are they're putting us up you know not inside the building but we're inside of a tent, a heated tent outside okay. from a shift from midnight to six a.m. You know, and we're talking to our athletic trainers that we hire, and I'm saying, all right, well here's the setup. You're going to be outside in a tent, you know, from from midnight to six. Are you okay with that? And they're like. Yeah, that's fine. Like we're athletic trainers. That's what we do. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of all the athletic trainers that we have um, that have that've been hired on as as contractors for us uh, to do this job. Listen, yep. that's all the time we have. But I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. And uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Brady Course. He's a certified athletic trainer out on the West Coast in Washington. Uh, Brady, any last thoughts or any last comments? Uh, no, man, I appreciate it. Though. This is fun. This is uh, me and Brian have not been able to connect in uh, in a long, long time. Yeah, so it was great to be able to be on the show and uh, talk talk with him. And I just appreciate what you're doing. So this is great. And we're live. Ho, ho, ho! And Merry Christmas, DA Nation. Sorry, I didn't have any music queued up this week, but I'm here. We are live. It is Tuesday night, December 21st, and let me be one of the first people to wish you all. A very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and soon to be a Happy New Year. Can you believe it? 2022 is already upon us. So uh, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining the show. This is Devil's Advocate Sports Talk. Uh, we come to you live every week on Facebook Live to talk all things sports, man. This is where you guys, the fans, the real fans out there, could be heard don't win out right now what's to say about tampa right now you know what i mean if they don't win out those four games maybe panthers can maybe do an upset or something maybe atlanta can maybe upset them once because division type thing but hey guys real quick i got brian who logged in i don't know how long he's going to be around but we definitely have some questions for him and as we're talking about this derrick henry news I, we got to ask him brian what's up buddy we need to know what's going on with henry is he out for the season or can he come back hey guys what's up you know I with his surgery, uh, you're looking at at least six weeks for him to probably get back out in the field and start doing any running or, you know, high impact activities. And what I thought initially was that he would probably be back. For I mean, I get it. I, I, the whole thing to me was the whole Tennessee thing, because, you know, how, it's hard to feel confident with them until Henry comes back. And then we got to yeah. see how Henry looks when he comes back. So that's why. Out, isn't he out for the season? I don't think he's coming back yeah. right well, we need Brian. Gonna, I it, I, they I, I said that, know. well, you can ask Brian, but I think if he comes back, it's going to be, they're going to have to activate him um, like the last week or so for the active roster. He probably won't play, but then when they go to the playoffs, he'll play. Something well, my, like that. my thing is, it's not only that fact that they lost. That's why. I mean, when you can't make it work, when you're literally like best friend and therapist is on the same team with you, like all he wanted to do was play with his guy. Landry, the guy he played with in, in college, the guy that flourished together, those two guys, and Landry's going to be gone too. He's he's causing waves also. I don't all of a sudden, you know, he's always a team player. Now he's not. 
But yeah, Odell is never going to be the same. That's just the way it is. Real quick, I want to bring in Brian Scott here from the injured list to go through a quick health and, and you know, injury status this week. So we're going to bring him in as well. Keep it moving here. So Brian, what's going on? Buddy? Oh, I love the sound effects. <laughs> love it. So Brian, what's going on, man? Listen, by popular demand, we had to have you on a little bit early in the show. It's a good good way to, to come in and, and talk to these. Fantasy football's getting hot, guys. I'm in first place in mine. I'm eight and three. I'm so excited, but injuries are always a factor. So let me get uh, this this banner out of Brian's face. But, but Brian, talk to me. Do you have any major injury news? Did you see anything happen this weekend? What's going on? Uh, now, you guys could fill me in if there was anything that I missed, but the, the probably the couple of biggest ones I saw was CeeDee Lamb uh, had to exit the Cowboys game. Yeah. Concussion. So he's going to be in concussion protocol. And McCaffrey's back. When you got that dual run threat, when he does that that run pass option, nobody did it better than Cam and McCaffrey. So. And you got a defense to go with a running attack? You're not turning the ball over that much. They're going to be in every game. Carolina is going to be in every game because that defense is legit. All right, man. One, one question I got to ask that I can't recall his name. The gentleman that's from Carolina. Adam. No, not Adam. Not Adam. No, the other guy. Brian. The other guy from Carolina. I'm yeah, sorry. Brian? Brian Scott? No, the not injury. Brian either. The injury guy? No? No, not the injury guy. Not Brian. Oh, geez. There was another guy who used to come on from time to time. Carl. Big guy. Carl. Yes, that's it. Carl. You know anything happened to him? Why he's not good anymore? He was in Vegas with Adam. I mean, he's fine. He just oh, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been fine. Uh, you gotta get him on the... Carl. You've been summoned, Carl. You have to come yes. back. <laughs> All right, Abe. All right, Dal. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. All right. That was Dal. Guys, uh, please, before I get to my next guest, Please like the, the the Facebook page, Devil's Advocate Sports Talk. Check it out. You can post to it anytime, anytime. You're watching the game. You wanna, you got, you just gotta get it off your chest. You can put it right on the Facebook page. Check it out, and please share the show. Now, speaking of shows, this guy has been hot with his show. Personally, I believe it's one of the best podcasts out there. Oh. Thank you. Welcome back, my friend. How are Thank you? you? I'm good. Well, you know, Daryl teamed me up perfectly there, huh? Oh man. Damn, a lot man. of injuries. What a segue. It's like yeah. it's like you paid him to do it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Podcast, thanks for joining me. Very special episode today. We have only our second guest ever and our first in-studio guest. With me, a very special guest, owner, operator, CEO, whatever you want to call him, of the Percatolin Creamery, one of our founding sponsors, and I use that term very loosely, Mr. Sean Colas. Hey, Welcome. how you guys doing? Good, good, good. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. Great to have you on. Oh, that was sweet. I like that, right? I sent to all those. Pretty good stuff there. Yeah. So, Great. and uh, you guys are in a pretty prime location as well. Is that not correct? Yeah, so uh, we are... Um, Right outside of Charlotte, right down the street, we have NASCAR, um, and we have a lot of uh, actually a regional airport right, right next to us. Down the block from Charlotte Motor Speedway yeah, Charlotte for all Motor the sports Speedway. fans out there Absolutely. listening to the show. So there. a lot of these coffee shops like Starbucks, some of the big chains you'll see are located near 
or have a very strong following from various Pilates classes or dance classes or near gyms. From a healthcare slash athletic point of view, do you find that you have a clientele that kind of meets or checks off any of those boxes? Yeah, absolutely. So what we found um, kind of just looking at our, our clientele and also, you know, basically running uh, demographics, we found that probably about 70% of our clientele are women. Uh, we can find that they're about 25 to 50. Uh, generally, of course, we have um, men and, you know, uh, older women, uh, people from high school, college, or whatnot, because they're actually about 10 minutes away from UNC Charlotte. But we actually have uh, a lot of people that do um, like pure bar, uh, yoga, uh, we have um, people coming from uh, local gyms into the shop. We actually have a couple of... Uh, so you do find a lot of those um, people that are in that, that, that world. But what is it about your ingredients or your recipes that maybe separate you yourself from those guys? The big thing for us is that um, we are all about quality and consistency. But I want it to be consistent. So... What I did is, you know, um, one of the three pillars that we go off of is, is quality and consistency. So that we want it to be the same exact flavor, which is going to be amazing every spot. Making sure that the timing is right, making sure that the beans are fresh, making sure that we're using uh, organic syrups when we're doing. So that was you know, going to be my next question. Some people, I would say, are looking for, um, you know, basically a pick me up or something to get them going, you know, going into a workout or going even, let's face it, going into work, getting ready for uh, a big meeting or uh, an interview or what. Great stuff. Back here with Sean Colas, owner, operator, CEO, first line employee, you name it, of the Perkentile and Creamery over in Concord, North Carolina. We are talking about his shop. We're talking about the clientele that frequents his shop. And we've been talking about some caffeine content of some of his um, creations over there at the coffee shop. It is interesting. I never really put much thought to it, but is there a, uh, a better time to, to drink coffee or caffeine uh, for specific things? Well, if you're looking at its beneficial effects for athletic performance, then you're usually going to want to look at ingesting it about an hour before said activity. It was overboard, in <laughs> yeah. my opinion. So, is that a little bit overkill, uh, or it, is it just... So really there has been some uh, literature which has suggested that there is... Uh, you'll see some pretty significant uh, beneficial effects up until about 200 milligrams. Could there be a side effect, an adverse you know, event or a side well, effect? So absolutely. That- I mean, so anytime you're talking about a stimulant like caffeine, the, the number one thing that you have to remember is that everybody responds to these things differently. Too. So... Uh, it can certainly give you some perceived benefits as well, not all that are actually physiologic. Caffeine quality in tea, the same as the one you're getting in coffee. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure if we do. Yeah, some teas, um, I mean, Tea is actually the more... most drank caffeine product in the world. Right. And we have a list of probably about a dozen teas that, you know, even with even with tea, uh, wanting to know what they're going to be getting, if it's going to be too much or too little. And so it is really interesting how, you know, people are starting to, kind of dig in a little bit and, and doing a lot of investigating and, you know, uh, you know, that knowledge base is certainly growing in that, in that world. I can't handle that kind of caffeine, you know, at 44 years old after three o'clock. And I know certain people come in at eight o'clock in our shop and have, you know, shot of espresso, cup of coffee, 
a latte. And I'm like, gosh, wow. A lot of people coming in asking for alternative milks. Those would be, in the past, soy, uh, presently uh, almond milk, and, and also oat milk. If, if you have an intake of about 2.5 milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight, that is usually not associated with any adverse effects. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sean Colas for stopping in. Oh, On behalf of the Injured List podcast uh, fans <laughs> out there across the yes. world. Derek Kelly joining us now in the podcast episode. He is a certified licensed physical no therapist. We've been speaking a little bit about uh, hamstring injuries. It's been a pretty big topic this year. Um, Derek, in your experience, getting back on the field from a hamstring injury seems to be one of the biggest challenges with athletes dealing with this. How do you approach the athlete with a hamstring injury when you're looking at the initial time, uh, the in initial interaction from when they get hurt and they see you to kind of how you get, get them back on the field? Okay, well, that's a very that's a very loaded question. I would love, like, I'm looking to see can we get between five and eight percent of the uninjured leg in terms of just a, a raw. There's been a lot of ACLs from what I've been reading to this year, and I don't know the numbers. It may not be statistically relevant, but just from an observational standpoint, it seems like there's been quite a few ACLs. Do you think there's a strong correlation there? If you were to look. I've my background when I was working in Ireland was that I, I did a lot of these athlete profiling um, events with sports teams where we brought them in, we done a full battery of tests and gave them some stuff to work on and brought them back weeks or months later to see where the benefit and the difference was going to be. What we always talked to them about was reduction of preventable injuries because, you know, sport at the end of the day is going to be sport. So if you, if you look at somebody taking a hit and they get injured through trauma, very, very little you're going to do about that. Sometimes that's just the way the game goes. But when you look at somebody that's either running and, you know, non-contact injuries like some of the ACLs have been and certainly the hamstrings, you have to look at what the preparation has been like. And, you know, we all know that this year has been way less than ideal in terms of the preparation pre-season. Sometimes it takes months and months and months before you're actually right again. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned Julio Jones. Obviously, you've got to look at how explosive do these players need to be as well. Because when you when you if you're looking at a wideout who that's that's what his game is. It's you know short sharp movements or or back. Then you have to take into consideration that. Every time he goes to he goes to run a route, that hamstring is going to be one of the things that's going to be that's going to be firing. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Injured List. Your host Brian Scott here. Glad to have you with us for yet another episode. And today's episode is very special. We have another in-studio guest joining us, Brandon Opry, the financial advisor and owner of Trust Tree Financial which provides financial planning and investment management for individuals and small businesses alike. He's been doing this over 20 years, and he has used discipline strategies and personal planning, partnering with people to help them achieve their financial independence. And Brandon's going to sit down with us, and we're going to talk about some financial planning strategies. But we're also going to talk about some sports injury stuff. Brandon, welcome to the studio. 
Oh, thanks for having me, Brian. So nice to be here. One of the nicest podcast studios I've ever been in. Thank you. Thank you very much. We take pride in the, our surroundings here. So why don't you give us a little bit of history, uh, Trust Tree Financial, how it got started, where it's going, and uh, how things are going now, given the current financial situation of the uh, economy in the United States here. Yeah, so I do run this uh, financial planning firm called Trust Tree Financial. I've been in the business uh, helping people with their investments and planning for, I don't know, 23, 24 years now. I started the company about three years ago after um, a long tenure at some of the biggest wealth management firms out there. And it's been great. I still do the same job, providing advice for clients and uh, helping manage their financial futures. Any good advice for those of us that are maybe have been thinking about it, but haven't actually pulled the trigger on maybe setting up ourselves for retirement or financial planning? Well, I would say that sooner is better, but it's never too late to get started. So if you're thinking about it, just make the first move, get something going, and from there, just have the discipline to continue saving for your retirement. Well, I do have a small presence online, trusttreefinancial.com, and I'm on all the social media channels, but I'll tell you the most uh, frequent way that I get new prospects and clients is through word of mouth. I take good care of my clients. They appreciate the work that I do for them. Thankfully, uh, they spread the good word. So it's pretty much 100% telephone, internet, and video conferencing these days, but I'm always willing and able to meet people face-to-face. Great. And I guess, so for you to do a person-to-person presence, or you think you'll kind of stick with the verb? I'd like to think I was little of the professional grade who make millions and millions and millions of dollars. So people listening are probably wondering, well, I don't make that kind of money. Why would I need a financial advisor? What do you say to those people? That can certainly be the case. I mean, if you have the knowledge or the time, you know, or the expertise to, to manage your own financial house, then sure, have at it. I mean, it's the same thing as, uh, I don't know, changing the oil in your car. At the time and expertise and knowledge to do it, have at it. But if you believe in outsourcing and you know want a professional to help you along in the process, and if you don't want to be bothered with it, then I think it makes sense for anybody of any net worth to work with someone who can give you sound advice. I'm also aware that you have sort of a side thing that you do related to a charity. Perhaps you can or want to discuss that a little further. Yeah, I'd like to say it's a side hustle, but it doesn't pay me anything. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I started a charity 11 years ago. It's called A Prom to Remember. And what we do is we put on a prom for teens who are battling cancer. Uh, so we're unable to have the event this year, but it is something that I lead. Uh, you know, we have a board of directors. I'm the president of the board. And a lot of good help uh, putting on this prom for kids with if you have any additional questions, you can also actually reach out to him. At Brandon, what was the name of that other website? BrandonHelps.com. Great. So yeah, if you guys uh, want to make it easier on yourself, just uh, go to that website and ask Brandon some questions and he'll get back to you right away. So Brandon, now you have some questions for me. I know that you participate in some fantasy football leagues. I think you might even actually be the coordinator, I guess, if you will, of one. Um how would your first week go so far? So far, so good. I, I, I usually like every team that I that I draft, uh, and I'm feeling pretty good once again uh, after one week here. But uh, yeah, some of my questions are, 
about fantasy football. And as it relates to, let's say, the NFL, I'm in my mid-40s and I, I still like to run around and put some wear and tear on my joints uh, <laughs> playing basketball and whatnot. But I, I just think about these guys who are maybe 20s and 30s, uh, their ankles, their knees, their shoulders, you know, probably stiff or sore. I just wonder if they get a little lubricant sent in there every now and then just to kind of keep them going. This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com. Today's Injured List podcast, 2021 Year in Review, is brought to you by Pair Networks. If you have a business, you need a website. What's the best way to get a website up and running? Choose a website hosting company that makes it simple, like Pair Networks. Pair has over 20 years of experience managing the entire digital ecosystem for thousands of online businesses all around the world. Pair makes it easy for you with do-it-yourself website building tools and features, including simple drag-and-drop page design. And they have guaranteed U.S.-based support technicians ready to help you whenever you need it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Right now, when you sign up with Pair Networks, you'll receive one free month of web hosting. See for yourself how easy it is to build your website for free. Visit pair.com slash free to get your first month of website hosting for free by using the code QUICKSTART. That's pair.com slash free, promo code QUICKSTART to get started today. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way, from creating product listings, to making discount codes, to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's No wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, 
just like Wu Tungsten by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week's Vox Morton Sign Injury of the Week will tear at your heartstrings and your oblique muscles. As the holidays are upon us and we spend some quality time with our family, cherish the moments you share with your children. Even the little moments, like tucking them in tight at night to bed, can have such a profound effect on the little ones and create memories that will last a lifetime. In 2008, Brandon Inge of the Detroit Tigers was doing what every good father would do with his then three-year-old daughter, tucking her into bed all nice and comfy with her little pillow. Unfortunately, it ended with an injured oblique muscle, which are the muscles that make up your core abdominal muscles. According to the Detroit Free Press, Inge said he aggravated the injury moving a pillow for his three-year-old Monday night. He said if not for that mishap, he probably would have tried to continue to play with the injury, which he said has bothered him since he suffered it on June 1st in Seattle. Told of Inge's account of the pillow, Tigers manager Jim Leland said, that's a first. That may have been a first for manager Jim Leland, but as you will see with these Throckmorton sign injuries of the week, it'll not be the strangest, weirdest, or even the most severe injury we'll be bringing to you in this segment. Sponsored by the Blue Wire Hustle podcast community and the Blue Wire Hustle program, of which we are a proud member. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Steve, owner of TransitioningVeteran.com. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started with this website? Yeah, basically, I, I was in the military, uh, United States Air Force Security Forces from 1999-2003, following my father's footsteps, who's, uh, who was a Vietnam veteran, uh, God rest his soul. And when I separated from the military, I just basically I learned that um, there's a lot of information out there for us veterans when we get out. Federal information, information from the feds state, county, town, local communities. So I just started plugging away, 
finding all this information online, I realized to myself that if we just had it in a central location, it would make it a lot more um, useful for us veterans to get out and then find this information. We're going to get opportunities for interviews. It does, it does not hurt. I mean, <laughs> uh, so it, start, it basically put out feelers to see if maybe you got to tighten up your resume. Maybe you got to, you know, oh, wait a minute. They replied back to me, but they said, oh, we're sorry, but, you know, we're looking for somebody with a bachelor's degree, you know? So it gives you an idea to say, okay, well, maybe I'm not ready to just jump in the field yet. This person just replied back to me, said I need a bachelor's degree, so let me start planning on using my GI Bill and going to school. Brilliant idea, and there's a lot of guys that are doing it. There's guys, there's a lot of guys that take the police uh, exams, you know? Mm -hmm. They take, they fly in, they take the police exam, they fly back to wherever they're stationed, they finish up the tour of duty, and then next you know, they separate and they find out, oh, you know, you're gonna start the academy in a, in a month or so. Perfect timing. So start taking advantage of all that. Um, and that, and that well, by doing out. that, they haven't necessarily cut themselves off from any of those benefits that are available to them, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There is other benefits and that's like my, that comes down to my last question. Thought about other benefits out there for, veteran, for veterans besides what the VA provides. Well. Starting with the VA, you know, there's also disability compensation benefits if you were injured. If so, there's that. There's also local nonprofit organizations. There's tons. Not, not everybody's on the same page. Not everybody's doing great in life. You know, people hit bumps and and struggles at times. And uh, the good thing is, you don't have to always rely on the government, politicians, because there's fantastic organizations out there ready to help vets out. We have a guest, formerly known as Dom the Upscale Male Orza, currently goes by the name of Dom the Tuesday Night Delight. He will be calling in and joining us today on the podcast episode to talk all things professional wrestling. More specifically, though, we'll cover some of the more memorable professional wrestling injuries that occurred inside the ring, and we'll take a stroll with Dom down memory lane. Uh, if you haven't heard Dom, by the way, he's a regular guest on the Devil's Advocate Sports Talk show live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. on Facebook Live with my good friend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. I've got Dominic Orza. You may know him from the Devil's Advocate Sports Talk shows on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. as Dom the Tuesday Night Delight. Dom, come to learn you've actually participated in some wrestling yourself. Can you, you want to talk about that right off the get-go here? Yeah, man, I have. Uh, it was, uh, we're talking about 18 years ago. I don't want to age myself, but uh, yeah, I actually, we did little promotional shows like, you know, like outdoor things and high school gyms and, you know, unfortunately no more than 30 or 40 people in, a, in an audience, but uh, it was some fun times, man. And, and we did some crazy stuff and unfortunately never got to go to that next level and get it promoted the way it was supposed to. Um, but it was fun. It's something that I miss. And to this day at 42, you know, turning 42 last week, I still want to do it again. But, uh, you know, I don't know if I still got it. So. Another injury that you had brought up, and this is, I mean, if you haven't seen this stuff before, then you're probably living under a rock somewhere. You don't have to be a wrestling <laughs> fan to see Mick Foley <laughs> falling through a steel cage match, right? This is the steel cage match to Hell in a Cell 1997? This was this was crazy. Hell in the Cell, 1997, against the Undertaker, King of the Ring. I mean, from start to finish, oh my God. you know everything that this guy's done, and 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 you know, quick 
background, if you don't know Mick, Mick, Mick's a great guy. Mick lives in Long Island, and I've seen Mick numerous times, as I know you have as well. WrestleMania 24, I'm going to Orlando, and Mick's on a plane with me. Mick's leaving out of Islip, and he's going down for WrestleMania. And I'm like, hey, Mick, you know, and obviously at this point, I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was. But <laughs> so, you know, I think we took a picture together and whatnot. And then as we're coming back from Orlando and we're in Islip, he's sitting by the carousel and he's waiting for his bags. And I turn to him and I go, hey, Mick, there's your bag. And he's like, how do you know that's my bag? And I'm like, we took the plane coming here together. I was like, we were standing side by side with our bags. We took a picture together. He was like, oh, okay, well, have a good day. And he took his <laughs> bag and he walked away. And then years later, I find out that the guy that owns the stationery right up the block from my house, literally two blocks away, a friend of mine, John, Mick was his best man. Okay, nice. Um, and they know each other very well. And he used to do some signings up at the stationery. But uh, <laughs> We have a special guest, Jeremy Overfeld, former collegiate football coach and player, comes to talk with us today about sports injuries and how it affected his recruiting and coaching career. Jeremy, tell me a little bit about your uh, your background in collegiate football, your playing career, and how that kind of morphed into your coaching career. I was a uh, safety slash outside linebacker at the University of Richmond. Took a job with a local Division II school there called Shepherd University. That's about 45 minutes northwest of Washington, D.C. And uh, spent nine seasons there as the special teams coordinator, uh, worked with the safeties, and was the strength coach for the entire athletic department. So um, had some really good success there um, went to the national championship and in 2015 and and got beat up pretty good but you know for a team that had never won a region and got out of a true playoff style bracket before we had taken a team with some really good tradition um, and kind of taken it to the next level with finding some kids that uh, ended up being NFL players um, you know while I was there I think we had nine kids that went on to play in the NFL at least in camp rosters make teams you know all kinds of different levels but um, had some success finding kids that weren't your your prototypical Division One true bodies or didn't have the academics um, that needed to stay close to home there in D.C. and, uh, you know, had had all the makes of NFL players by the time we got them done with four or five years there. And, and some of them are still in the league bouncing around as we speak, so. And we have a very special guest on the show today by the name of Kimberly Brady. She is the founder and business coach behind Kim Brady Business Coaching, which you can find online at www.kimbradybusinesscoaching.com. And she helps former athletes leverage their athletic experience and philosophies to become champions on the business playing field. Her area of expertise is small business startups, mindset training, team building, and leadership development. Now, she's a former marriage and family therapist who specialized initially in working with severely abused children. But in her past, she was a four-year Division I scholarship recipient for women's soccer at UC Berkeley in California. So she's going to talk to us about that, and she's going to really give us some great insight into how that experience throughout her playing days um, really shaped and molded her and allowed her to transition into a successful uh, business uh, life and entrepreneurship Kim, welcome. The amount of injuries that I've had are kind of a different, some are very similar for, for, for soccer players and others are not. Thankfully, my knees and my ankles were pretty solid. I was 13 and 98 pounds and oh, five, four, I was just tiny. And, and on varsity, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, all four years of varsity, played every single game. I just was surrounded by people bigger, faster, stronger than me. And the, the injury 
was in my club team. So I went through the typical, oh, yeah. you know, six weeks in a cast and all that stuff and a little bit of rehab. The weird thing was in high school, I can tell it to you this day, I can envision it, was the very first time I hurt my back. But ironically, we didn't know until I was 29 what I actually did to it. So that's kind of crazy because my body broke down. I just couldn't compete. My body would, my back would go into spasm. It would become weak and we couldn't really figure out why. And no one really put me through an MRI. So that was the one piece that we didn't see. We didn't really see any bone structure issues. And so I competed my entire career on what we now know was a stress fracture in my L5 vertebrae that entire time. Now, Kim, with your business, because I know there's a lot of athletes that listen to the podcast and um, we're growing with their listeners every day. So I wanted to know if they are looking to branch out and do their thing and start a new career, maybe looking to get into the business world as you did, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? Um, your business is called Kim Brady Business Coaching. You have a website. Correct. You have a LinkedIn yes. profile. You're on pr yes. pretty much all the social media. For the so most they, part, yes. So they can find you. I'm not on TikTok. Sorry, oh. guys. I'm not going to dance yeah. for you. Well, neither, neither am I. So don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I have no interest in TikTok, by the way. Uh, so Kimberly... I, I would invest in TikTok <laughs> when I'm wealthy enough. I'll go invest in things like TikTok. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that off air. <laughs> Bill Hobson of Hobson Media Enterprises. Bill started as a beat writer for the Detroit Pistons during their bad boy era as a 17-year-old intern. So he's got some awesome stories to share. Now, live from the car, as he treks back home after a long road trip, taking care of business. Thank you so much for, for having me. And by the way, I was home for a brief amount of time. I'm now headed to my next destination to play in a, a pro-am for the LPGA tomorrow. So it's a uh, a non-stop road trip. Thanks for letting me do this from the car. Because I, awesome. I, 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 I think I live in the car right now. I kind of wish I was with you on this road trip. That sounds like a lot of fun, man. Uh, uh, I'm a golfer as well. Uh, a very, very amateur, unfortunately. Uh, it is very fun. I am spoiled. However, when I'm standing next to a young lady professional golfer who comes up to just under my chest level and she outdrives me by 40 yards every time, it's a very humbling experience. I think I'd be right there with you, so don't feel too bad. Don't feel too bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My dad, who owned some car dealerships, um, he had advertising agents that were always calling on him, and they always wanted to make sure that Mr. Hobson was happy with their representation of him. And one of the things that he told them in order to make sure he was happy was to give me something to do in sports broadcasting. So. These agents start calling local radio stations. I didn't know this then, but now I know how it works. And they were just looking for some station that would take an unpaid intern who was in high school. First game I ever covered. The Pistons were still playing at the Pontiac Silverdome. It was like the last couple of years they were going to be there. And I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what entrance to use. I'd never been to a game. So I went three hours early. I walk in. And to my right, I see the Pistons locker room. And I figure, well, I've got a pass. Let me go. I'm going to go look around a little bit. I walk in this locker room. I walk past the training room. And uh, but just that training room on the door. I get about five steps past, and I'm tiptoeing around. I, I'm probably looking like I'm up to no good. I was just nervous. 
And all of a sudden, I hear, hey, what are you bleep, bleep, bleep doing? And I about wet my pants. And I turn around, and there's Rick Mahorn staring at me. <laughs> and he is just going off on me. He is trying to melt me, and it's working. I am, I'm a puddle of fear. And he says, don't move. Stay right there. And he goes back into the training room where Isaiah was getting some treatment for a hamstring injury. And he pulls him out in the hallway. And he says to Isaiah, talk to your boy here. And that was, and Isaiah was nice to me, but he, he's like, just relax, man. Stand up straight. You look all right. Do your thing. And I remember, let's uh, set a context here, because this is all before the internet. Obviously, there's no social media. There's no phones. Right. There's no smartphones. There's right. no nothing. Right. You know? I don't even know. Did they even the did they even have HIPAA rules back then? Like HIPAA laws? Oh yeah, goodness. right. No, there's no such thing. <laughs> that was only until the lawyers started coming right, around yeah. and messed everything up. All I knew was that I was about to be paid the incredible sum of twenty-five dollars per game if every pregame I would call Marty from the courtside phone with two pieces of information. And, of course, years later came the gambling scandal with Tim Donahue, the NBA official. I was living a dream. They have these unique moments that are sort of career-defining. Because, listen, folks, I don't care if you're a trainer for single-A baseball or minor league hockey. You're a professional. These athletes are putting their livelihoods in your hands. And one of the things that irritates those professionals and irritates me greatly is that it seems like the only time we hear about the world of the trainer is when a scandal takes place because somebody abused their access and their authority. And it, it's too bad. It's, it's, you know, it's sort of like when you only hear about pastors that have a scandal. I hate that. There are so many, there are so many faithful trainers. There are so many people that do it the right way that when you hear about the Larry Nassers and so-and-so and so through the list, it, 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 unfortunately, it impugns a great profession, an important profession. And whether you have a jersey with your name on it or whether you just blew out your ACL plane in your YMCA rec league, you are dependent upon qualified athletic trainers and doctors. And uh, I, for one, and ever since my first ever terribly rolled ankle, I'm very thankful for those professionals. Today's guest on the show is Chase Kraft. Chase is host of his own podcast, Science of Sports Recovery. You can find it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. Chase is a former four-time Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference champion out of the University of Sioux Falls in South Dakota, owns a business called Perfect My Podcast, and hosts his own podcast titled Science of Sports Recovery. Through interviews with world-class athletes, coaches, researchers, and experts on his podcast, Jace helps unlock the key components of athletic recovery to enable athletes to learn to recover faster, feel better, and reach their full potential. Jace is the perfect guest to have on the show, as I am often asked good ways to recover, and I don't really have much of an answer. You've got quite a laundry list of uh, accomplishments out there. Uh, as a cross-country athlete, correct? And you were at a Division II school um, out in the Midwest. Uh, give me a little bit of history about your career uh, in collegiate uh, cross-country. And Yeah, so I was a cross-country indoor 
track and outdoor track athlete. So pretty much in season nine months of the year. Um, you know, I, I came in to a D2 school in just a little little town in South Dakota. Um, I came from a small high school as well. So I was like, I came to college and I was like, whoa, there's people that are faster than me. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, a, that's an eye-opening experience for a lot of uh, really good <laughs> high school athletes. It's like all of a sudden, the playing field is much more level now. Yeah, exactly. I got into my first ever cross-country race, which was an 8K, um, which is 3K longer than I ever ran. Is that a real Is that race. a real thing? I don't even remember that. Yeah. <laughs> is 8K an actual competitive distance? Yeah, and for whatever reason, in collegiate cross-country, we do 8Ks all year, and then our regional national meet is a 10K. Go figure. So I started out the first 8K ever and just with the lead because that's what I did all high school, right? I just went out and, and led the race, and uh, I burnt up so badly. Oh, it was like I 3K, and I wanted to die. My freshman year of indoor, I won the the mile and the 1K at conference. Um, I was an All-American in the DMR, which distance medley relay. Nice. I was the 800-meter leg of that race um, at nationals, and then... Um, multiple conference champions um, and then my senior year we led the team to a fifth place finish at nationals in cross country and that was kind of my uh, claim to fame if you will um, one, one of the most uh, proudest comp- uh, accomplishments was that fifth place finish just based on the whole career leading up to that with endurance sports it's there's so many common injuries that every endurance athlete especially in like running they're there's common themes over and over that I think any runner really has to deal with one being chin splints, another being runner's knee, the other being tight hips and IT band issues, um, and then plantar fasciitis, you know, and I've had the run of them. So, uh, yeah, we didn't, I mean, we didn't get the attention that um, other sports did, and it's a lot of learn on your own. Um, there, There's not a a lot of supplemental like learning to our sport outside of the coach just being there like this is what you're gonna run this is why we're running it but then like how to recover from that or signs or symptoms like that gets lost on that you just have to learn from upperclassmen you know have good communication with your coach but not all coaches are obviously trained you know in uh, physical therapy or athletic training or you know any sort of exercise science degree so one thing that I'm no expert in by any means um, has to deal with the actual recovery and what to do. And my advice typically to my patients is usually, well, number one, rest, right? Rest does the body good. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying, and, and I think you mentioned this earlier, when I say rest, it doesn't mean you don't do anything, but you yeah, should exactly. do something, just not the thing that's going to injure you more. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I'm <laughs> a big... doing uh, nothing right. is worse than right. not doing anything. Exactly. And and I'm a big proponent of cross-training. And right. So um, what I have found to kind of the pillars of recovery, if you will, or like a healthy athlete is sleep, nutrition, mobility. Welcome, everybody, to the Injured List podcast. Your host, Brian Scott. And joining us today, we have Gabby Vila. Gabby is coming from us from Perth, Australia, by way of Mexico originally, correct? 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Uh, nice to see you again. And Gabby is here to talk about sports nutrition, licensed certified nutritionist and focuses in the areas of sports nutrition. You've also been a triathlete yourself, so you have experience in dealing with injuries. Oh, actually, you are one of the few people I think who have not had any major injuries. Thank you, Brian, for having me here. And yes, uh, just as you said, I work mostly with endurance athletes. I'm an athlete, I'm a sports nutritionist. I've been doing this for over nine years. Knowing that I wanted to be involved in the sport somehow is what encouraged me to seek a career in a sport as well. Uh, at some stage, I thought of becoming a coach, but then I didn't, I, I wasn't sure if that was the thing for me. So when I came across nutrition and the opportunity of being a sports nutritionist uh, came very clear. I just love the idea and that that recovery that is critical right after finishing is being covered as well. So that is the second category. The third one is fuel your performance. So for that area is talking about like, what are we doing for the competition day? How are we making sure that when you come to that start line, you come confident that you have done everything you needed to prepare for that event? We need to adjust the nutrition to meet those requirements as well. The old question that I always get is, well, are, is there any supplements or anything that I can take to help me heal faster and recover? And I know that some of the medications we use to help combat inflammation and swelling and to help kind of stimulate the healing process are often some of those natural ingredients that are then used to make some of the medications we prescribe. So in your experience, are there any good tips or tricks that people can use from a nutritional standpoint to help them kind of get through and heal? And Yes, and I feel like people will be sick of me talking about foundation is key because it is so important, especially for people who are injured. A lot of the times, yes, we and actually I have some supplements that I'm going to share with you, but I think it's also important to consider that at the end, all the nutrients are there to support our body become more efficient. What are some of the key important things to take away from that. I know I get I get asked that question all the time too. Um, when is a good time to have this pre-workout uh, meal or pre-competition snack? Or uh, what do you usually educate your, your athletes on with that regard? So often the recommendation is to eat probably max one hour close to your training session or event. A lot of people I, I, ha I see are actually eating like even 30 minutes before starting their effort. But it's a very small meal in that case. It's a snack. But if we're, think if we're thinking about a big meal, let's say a breakfast meal, ideally one hour, two hours before the effort just to allow for that digestion to occur. Dodger Stadium smoked in the face. And the ball apparently sailed through a tiny opening in the protective netting. It right to the face. It all changed in an instant for one family last night when a foul ball sailed into the stands hard and fast. She has associated bleeding, bruising, and swelling and experienced a... Safety Now is a campaign started by Jordan Scobb, a Brooklyn realtor, lifelong baseball fan, and author of a forthcoming book about the wildly overlooked scandal in the professional baseball industry. The all-too-frequent incidents of fans being maimed by dangerous foul balls due to the lack of extended protective netting and related failures to educate fans about their assumed risk at the ballgame. We're happy to have Jordan on the podcast today to discuss this very important topic and to give us some historical facts about the nature of this problem that's been going on in the major leagues for quite some time. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian, for having me on. Uh, just a long, long-time baseball fan. 
always was aware that balls were coming into the seats at high speeds and uh, had some experiences being close up at some games when there were no over dugouts. And I realized that it wasn't a comfortable place to be. And we were outside a minor league stadium and the ball came outside onto the street and hit a young person we were with in the arm. And it kind of led me to where we are today, sort of being up in arms, like, I can't believe that this has been going on for over a hundred years, that nobody has really recognized this problem, has really made a big stink about it and gotten anything really done. And I feel like the State of the Union in Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball still is in shambles. And it's been 50 years since a fan was actually killed back in the 70s. And since Mm -hmm. that time, Major League Baseball really hasn't done anything aside from putting up maybe some small placards and small posters saying, hey, be aware of foul balls and bats being, you know, potentially thrown into the crowd. But other than that, I mean, what have they done until recently? Really nothing, right? Well, you know, it took about 45 years. I actually had to rent an airplane to make a statement because there was no netting over the dugouts. So that same uh, video that's on the website of the ball going in between the two guys can clearly happen in Peoria today. Extended mm-hmm. the netting all the way to the foul pole. Since then, has any other stadium extended the netting all the way to the foul pole, as far as you know? Yeah, I mean, some have. And and um, I, I don't know, I know that I don't know the full count. Right. Nets all the way down to the foul pole. Um, but, you know, it's really stadium by stadium and it's piecemeal. And there's no uniform standard for each ballpark. Ballpark, there's 120 minor league ballparks and 30 major league ballparks. They need an independent body, sort of like a regulatory agency, to come in and tell us where the nets need to go. I mean, there has to be somebody to look and say, well, this netting is sufficient, this netting is not sufficient. Who is going to maintain this stuff? Who's going to check regularly for holes or defects in the netting? So there's a whole other slew of issues that even with the netting, you still have to address, right? I mean... It's not like yeah. as simple as just put up a net and hope for the best. Well, I would think so. And maybe that independent netting council or this regulatory agency, which may not exist as of yet, will be part of this maintenance uh, follow-up to make sure that there's no gaps, there's no holes, that there's no room for a ball to get through and ricochet and possibly hurt someone. HBO a couple of years ago had a thing on balls flying at plexiglass at 100 miles per hour combined with a feature that that included the way it's working in Japan. So there are a few seats they call the excitement seats. So they allow you, probably not allowed to bring your child, but they allow a consenting adult to go to a section, wear a helmet, they give you a glove, and if you want to, you know, flirt with 100-mile-an-hour balls, they wish you good luck. This topic is certainly going to be highlighted uh, unfortunately, it's 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 me that's bringing it, and nobody in journalism has brought this to you sooner. But I'm going to make it in a presentable way where I think everyone will get it, and and they'll appreciate it, and how I'm putting it out there. So, no, I appreciate your time, and I I think it's a really good cause. I'm I'm happy to have you on the show, and I appreciate you uh, filling in our listeners with this really important topic and giving us some statistics and examples of just the severity and the frequency with which this is happening because I don't think people really understand. And if you go to his website, foulballsafetynow.com, there's a bunch of testimonials, videos that give some really compelling and disturbing evidence and examples of just the the, the sheer impact that this 
can have on fans who are just out there to enjoy the game. So I encourage you guys to check that out and contact Jordan if you're willing to help out or if you have any questions. Jordan, uh, any big projects coming up aside from the book? You have any other things coming up in the works here? I know you did something, I think, with the game at the Field of Dreams game over there in Iowa. Did you have something going on during that? Well, yes. Thanks for asking. So the Field of Dreams game, we did a plane flyover. So that would that that did we did what we had to do for that experience. Welcome, everybody, to The Injured List. This is your host, Brian Scott. Thank you for joining us once again. Today's episode is very special. As always, we have a guest, Alisa Al. She's a three-time world karate champion to go with many other accomplishments in the world of karate. She was the 2004 World Karate Federation individual gold titleist. She won two that year, marking the only time in the history of the sport or the first time, I should say, in the history of sport that anyone's ever done it. She's the only female to have done that accomplishment. She's a 2002 WKF champion, 2002 World Cup champion, 2002 Pan Am champion, two-time WKC world champion, three-time WKO world champion, a five-time United States of American National Karate Federation champion, and nine-time amateur athletic union champion. Safe to say she has racked up quite a list of accomplishments in the world of karate. And Elisa is going to join us to talk about an injury that occurred to her during her career when she made a comeback. Ladies and gentlemen, the Injured List podcast, I have with me three-time world karate champion, Elisa Al, originally from Hawaii, now via Chicago, Illinois. Elisa, welcome to the podcast, and um, thank you for joining us. And as how you got your start, and it was at a very young age growing up in Hawaii. So maybe you could kind of take us back to there and... Okay. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. My pleasure. Um, But yeah, I started karate at the young age of five. Uh, It just ended up being this after-school activity that I got interested in. I think I, you know, brought a flyer home from school or something. And it just so happened that the YMCA right across the street from my house uh, offered karate classes and told my parents I wanted to give it a shot. So I started at five. Um did like the lesson thing for a couple of years uh and then I started getting into competitions maybe around age seven eight nine and that's when I uh, I think I went to my first nationals when I was nine or ten and that's when I really understood like oh wow this is a actual sport a thing that I can really like you know get into and 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 that's when I really really started to enjoy karate was was uh, when I started competing process was to uh, to qualify 10 athletes per weight class and those weight classes were combined um, as well so not just your normal world championship weight classes like a combined a consolidated uh, set of weight classes um, and one of those spots was dedicated to the host country Japan so really we were fighting for nine spots wow, that's amazing. and uh, yeah it was a process that took about a quad so three and a half years so I had to get my number one seed in uh, in US first and then from there I was able to represent in Paris and then you got to win again essentially I mean it seems like you got to basically take home multiple first place or number one. Um, And within the WKF, I'm the only female American to win a world championship. Uh, There's only two other men, American men who've won in the past. And, um, and on top of that, the other thing that I think that you, that you're trying to hit on is that, um, that (laughs) no, like worldwide, not just in America, worldwide, 
I'm the only female who ever got two individual gold medals at one of the WKF World Championships. So there's a male who did it um, two years after me, and I'm the only female. And so that that hasn't happened uh, since. So you come back, you're competing, mm-hmm. and then you get knocked down. Like, yeah. literally. Yeah, you're, you're, literally. You injured your knee. And this was, was this during a tournament? Yeah, it was at the U.S. Open, uh, you know, feeling good, being in the home home crowd. Um, and it was the last, like, six seconds of the final match. Uh, uh, I was winning, and I just collapsed. Uh, and it just, it gave out. Yeah. I, and I got I back up, tried to do, like, the Danielson thing. Oh, and, no. Yeah, I, tried, I tried to finish it off. I, I, I actually I did finish the match, but very poorly. <laughs> like, I, I was on one foot, literally. Uh, um, and I had to get escorted off the off the mat because you know, it was, you know, too much. I can't tell you how many times. It's, like, toward the very end or, like, with, with a minute or six seconds left. or It's, like, yeah. so often it happens. I don't know if that's just coincidental. I'm sure it is. But it just seems like every story I hear, right. it's, like, right at the very end or right when they were about to do something great, you know, or they did do something <laughs> great and it just, like, was toward the end. You had surgery, you tore your ACL. Did you have any mm-hmm. other structural damage in your knee that you're aware of that they had to address? Unfortunately not. Yeah, no okay. meniscus, nothing else. Um, yeah, I think there might have been just a little damage maybe on my kneecap, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was just the, the complete tear of the ACL. Yeah, so that's, I mean, if you're going to have an ACL injury, you'll, the ideal ACL injury to have, if there is one, is an isolated okay. one. <laughs> Most of these guys and most of these athletes we hear about that are getting injured with this are during the peak of their career or maybe early on in their career. Right. Um, you're toward the end and you're trying to make a comeback. Right. How did you then do it? Um, um, you got to fill us in. I mean, how do you bounce back from that? It totally caught me off guard. I, you know, went through my entire career the first round without any injury, maybe a slight concussion here and there, but nothing that put me back. And then, um, and then this happens, and I knew what it was. I just had to take it step by step, and really trusting what the doctors and therapists were saying that is in the realm of possibility. So after I did, you know, did the, the MRI and just and and talked about what. Um, options I had, which was one, get surgery, Um, but talking about like how quickly I could turn around and come back and and so forth. Then I started to get back into that uh, positive mindset thinking, okay, well, this is definitely not part of the plan, but I'm not out of it yet. How did you not get sucked into like the whole MMA and all that stuff, given your background? I mean, like you would probably translate into that like perfectly. No, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of people I know that just love martial arts in general. So they'll start with karate, then they'll go do a little judo, jujitsu, kickboxing, and I have so much respect for those people that you know that just that that enjoy the whole martial arts. And really, I think MMA is is a good is a good avenue for those types of of, of athletes. For me, I just really liked karate (laughs) that's all I like I I just really like it I'm not interested in grappling I'm not interested in in the other martial arts well look for her at the world championships in Dubai soon right (laughs) you said how how far away yeah it's in November it's just just a couple months away all right well we'll be rooting for you here on the injured list and I'm sure my listeners will be too now that they've heard you on my episode here so um ladies and gentlemen Alisa Al uh multiple time world karate championship going for maybe one more hopefully huh yeah, we'll see. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. 
This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com. You told us you wanted more data for your money. We listened. U.S. Cellular Prepaid is giving you more data, a lot more. Now you can get 15 gigabytes of data for just $40 with U.S. Cellular Prepaid, with 5G included at no extra charge. So you can video chat more, game more, and do anything more. Switch to U.S. Cellular Prepaid and get 15 gigabytes of 5G data for just $40. Terms apply. See uscellular.com for details.